anything. Yes. I can ask you anything? All you right. can ask me anything. What should I ask? Well, let me ask you about this book you're reading, because you sent me a quote this morning. I did. Seems like it's something that's pretty interesting to you. It is. I'd love to hear more about this. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's been a interesting week, couple mm. weeks. Um, as I, as it's just, it's just funny how in the process of life, I think there's themes that come up, you know, as, as I'm working with clients or, you know, families or. Is your theme this week very itch related or? No, it is not itch related. Uh, although I do, I do <laughs> experience a tremendous amount of itching, but not as much yeah. as, yes, before. This is why we have a podcast, not a video. That's right. Because. I, <laughs> You would you would feel very bad for Mark with his <laughs> case of poison whatever he's got on him. Exactly. Poison sumac is that? Poison what? sumac, yes. I've re- I've realized I uh, I have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, I think your beard protected your face. It did. So, yeah. It did. I it's just the rest of you. Welcome to How I See It with me, Mark Pratt, and Justin Sternberg. This is a podcast that works to counter cultural polarization through thoughtful conversations. So probably your recommendation for others is maybe don't use a chainsaw and poison sumac? Yeah, okay. I would definitely recommend uh, identifying if you're cutting down a dead tree and there's like you life know, vines, there's life growing <laughs> up it, you might want to identify what that vine is before you just kind of have at it, you know, hacking away and sawing and, yeah. you know, and yeah, yeah. bushwhacking through, oh. you know, poison sumac because you will pay a price. There is no doubt, and it will be it will be very beneficial to you know have good health people in your life yeah. that can get you on a you know a steroid rather quickly. Yes. And so yes, I am very thankful. I'm very thankful too that it just is my on my skin. It could have been a a long it true could have been a you know, true internal yeah. thing. And I've yeah. heard stories of people burning yes. poison ivy or whatever. And yes. Oh man, I don't. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yes. So, like I say, I count myself very fortunate <laughs> that I was cutting it up and, you know, making it into, you know, fine little pieces and I didn't inhale enough of that to cause an issue. But it was funny even just where my, where the hole in my pant leg was, you know, that yeah. part of my knee is just <laughs> red and Those flat. fine little pieces stuck right to your yeah, skin. They did. They yeah. did. But yeah. Hmm. But I am feeling much better yeah. than I was over the weekend. Shoo. Yeah. All right, so I'm it's, sorry I interrupted. Well, the theme is in your okay. life. But. It's okay. It's because the reality of it is, even that had me thinking on the theme of conflict. Because hmm. I think we don't, I think we, I think we all view conflict differently. Mm-hmm. You follow me? And it was interesting because I was, as I was reading, I uh, had this, uh, I had this uh, devotional of Tozer. A.W. Tozer for Christian leaders, and it was talking about some misguided Christian leaders feel that they must preserve harmony at any cost. So they do everything possible to reduce friction. They should remember that there is no friction in a machine that has been shut down for the night. Turn off the power and you will have no problem with moving parts. Also remember that there is a human society where there are no problems, the cemetery. (laughs) The dead have no differences of opinion They generate no heat because they have no energy and no motion. 
but their penalty is sterility and complete lack of achievement. And I just, uh, that just, it was eye-opening for me when I thought about how much of our lives really is a matter of conflict or can have conflict just because there's motion involved. Like the machine. Mm. It's like, I, I think our lives are very motion-oriented like a machine. And I think to, if we think that we can operate or move in some ways without facing resistance or conflict, I think that's naive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think some cases, <clears throat> and here again, it comes back to what my viewpoint of conflict is. You know, is it quote unquote air quotes type thing? Is conflict good or is conflict bad? Mm. You know, because if I tend to view conflict as something that's bad, I may try to avoid mm-hmm. it. But I think in, in some cases, what I end up doing is just pulling energy away from another system if I'm trying to avoid conflict. So that relationship will tend to diminish mm-hmm. as I try to avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense in a, in a systems? Yeah. Because, and, I, and I think so often, you know, for and me... And yet, they go can go the other way, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where yes. uh, the conflict is so heated that the machine burns up, right? Yes. So yes. I'm just acknowledging the fact that, like you said, we all see conflict differently. And also yes. conflict comes in all shapes and sizes. And I think what Tozer's referring to is important and needed, you know, conflict. Yes. And of course, there's a line where conflict becomes war and becomes, you know, or whatever. Yes. And I don't know. And then how we see conflict, you said we all see it differently. It reminds me of when you talked about attachment styles, right? Like mm. depending on how we were raised, conflict might represent, yes. you know, the Very parent so. who I needed to keep calm or what, you know, remember when we I talked? do. Yeah. Because, and, and that becomes a, you know, in, in therapy, especially marital therapy, you know, one of my key questions will be, well, how did your hand, how did your family handle conflict? Mm-hmm. How was, how was conflict resolved? Mm. You know, and you know, typically it's that second part you know, that people really kind of stumble with, well, you know, it wasn't necessarily resolved. And therefore, you know, we're not able to resolve it today. Mm. And, you know, to actually find resolution. And I think, you know, that's that's the part where, you know, um, recognizing that conflict is a part of relationship. And, you know, a conflict in that maybe that middle ground between pulling back or just burning up, mm-hmm. you know, is this ability to get to know one another and understand each other's differences mm. in a way that builds intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, through conflict. And, and I think it's part of what we desire through how I see it is to be able to recognize, yeah, we are different, mm-hmm. but yet we can have these conversations that reveal differences and we don't have to mm-hmm. allow them to divide us. Mm-hmm but they can actually be a unifying force in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting how sometimes someone's difference can represent um, 
basically an inability to accept that person, right? Yes. Like, and that's that's a big again the big thing about how we see it is saying, no, maybe we can accept others bec- even when they're different, right? Exactly. And recognizing that those differences can bring value to my life to hear those differences, understand those differences, to know a real person, sure, who disagrees with me and yet you know i i can accept them like it's such a valuable thing and i just think about even in my in my own marriage like learning how to do conflict over 18 years of marriage it's we've been learning right yeah <laughs> we're still not yeah perfect at it i would i don't know that you ever get to a point where you've perfected uh conflict maybe sure um but one of the things I've had to learn is that acceptance. Like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, that's how she thinks. Well, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't mm-hmm. want that. I would rather her think like me. Yeah. But it's okay. Yes. And I think that's maybe what you're getting at in terms of... I mean, that's not always the resolution of conflict is uh, compromise and or acceptance. Sometimes right. you come to one side or another, but... That, that I think that's a completely acceptable uh, part of conflict is coming to a place of going, okay, now I see, it, and that's yes. good enough. What do you and, think? And I well, and I think part of our the the reasons that we try to avoid conflict at times has to do with the hurt that we may have experienced mm-hmm. within a relationship. Yeah, and I don't necessarily want to have to revisit that. Yeah. You follow me? But as long as I'm, in, in some ways, if I'm just ignoring it, you know, it becomes the, the elephant in the room type thing. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, not able to address it in such a way that says, okay, this is how I'm seeing it. And I think, you know, part of that difference, part of our, you know, experience growing up, you know, has so much to do with how we remember things you follow me i think i think in our day and age um we tend to think that in our brain is a is a video recording you follow me so when i see an incident and you see an incident you saw it exactly the same way as i think i'm seeing it mm-hmm. based on a video recording mm-hmm. but our our brains don't work that way Mm-hmm. Our brains, you know, store, you know, segments, you know, they, 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 they bunch and they group and, you know, and that's, that becomes kind of the, the way our memories are stored with these, you know, little sound, these bites, if you mm-hmm. will. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. to think that you see the same thing, the same exact way I do is part of the mistake we make. Mm-hmm. Because after all, you should know exactly yeah. how you hurt me. Because yeah. if you saw it the same way I did, which I'm thinking you did based on the video recording of my in my head, you know, of course you know how you hurt me. Mm-hmm. So you should you should know you need to apologize for mm-hmm. that. And at the same time, you never even saw the hurt. Right. You never even saw how what was said or wasn't said was hurtful where I was concerned Mm -hmm. based on my viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the memories that are stored, uh, I I love that thought, the segments or whatever, but they're also, um, 
the peaks and valleys of that memory, kind of the the the, the architecture of that memory is sure. defined by who you are. So yeah, uh, if you think about it, like someone who's colorblind, right? If you were to ask them to paint the picture, well, it would sound different, right? No doubt. Hey, remember that day when we both went to the lake and there were sailboats or whatever? Can you describe what you saw there? Yeah. What they describe is going to sound different than what I just saw because of a colorblindness, right? And exactly. So, Certain things would probably be diminished in their view. Maybe they didn't notice the buoy, yeah, right, because it's red. Sure. Um, but they noticed, you know, I don't know. Let's say the lighthouse, right? Yeah. Where my thoughts, you know, my mind was transfixed on this buoy, it's bright red, right in the middle. Sure. So, you know, that stood out to me. Now, of course, we're talking about colors, but take that and apply it to emotions, which, which we've talked about before, being light colors, right? This yeah, idea yeah. that. Um, maybe in that situation, I saw disrespect mm. and you saw, um, lack of love. I may think, I think that's a common marriage thing, right? Like sure. you didn't, I wanted to feel love there and I wanted to feel respect or whatever. And so we paint these pictures and mine has a bright red buoy and yours has a, a black and white lighthouse and neither of us see the other thing because we are so transfixed. Yes. Does that make sense? So it then our memory sense. is created that way and stored that way. Yeah. And like you said, we're like, well, let me pull up the recording. Exactly. See? Look, red buoy. And they're like, eh, that's not what I saw. Yes. Right? Yes. It's crazy. It is. And it, and it, and it comes back to that perceptional difference mm-hmm. at times. And I, and I like to say, I'm not, I'm not minimizing everything to perception. But I also have to realize that that is a part of the dynamic mm-hmm. that's involved in that conflict of how I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I saw. Mm-hmm. This is what I heard. And I think when we get to that point of being able, when we when we get so transfixed on what I saw versus what you saw, I think that's where mm-hmm. the difficulty resolving conflict comes from. You know, when we're trying to prove our case kind of yes. thing. Yeah. Because ultimately, I have to be right, and possibly you have to be wrong mm-hmm. to agree with my rightness. Where in reality, if we can take it to the point of saying, okay, that's how you saw it. And I respect the fact that the lighthouse was more important to you in that moment. Because I do think in some cases, you know, we can have this even as husband and wife. Yeah. You know, our priorities are different. Mm-hmm. Sometimes work may overcome, you know, the male priority or, you know, family may overcome, you know, and and I think those dynamics, neither one wrong. Right. And it's and neither one wrong. You said right. No, I'm just joking with you. <laughs> but but there'd be a ability. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have a conflict here. But at the same time, the ability to recognize, OK, this is how I see it and this is how you saw it. And how can we bring those together in such a way that said, okay, this is what, this is where the problem lies Mm -hmm. because I was focused there and you were focused there. And what I heard was that I'm not important to you. And I felt alone. Even though, and how can we both be in that moment? And yet I just come away feeling hurt and you come away feeling that was a great day. Right. Wonderful memory. You know, yep. being able to see the sailboats and the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, and the buoy too. Right. <laughs> so I think that's where, and I, I, from my perspective, I think, you know, conflict can be something we avoid. But I like the way he used the analogy of heat. 
mm-hmm. you know, friction and heat, because I think there is something to be said for the benefits of friction as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think about it in terms of fire and, you know, and those, the things that warm us mm-hmm. also elicit friction to a certain degree. Yeah. Movement, life. Yeah. And I think that's where it just kind of became for me mm-hmm. a, a viewpoint mm-hmm. over the past couple weeks is to be able to recognize, okay, yes, like patterns and cycles, you know, if we can recognize we have these patterns and cycles in our lives, it kind of takes away that personal element where you did this to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can see it as part of an interaction, then it minimizes the, the personal dynamic and it becomes less reactive. So when I can see conflict in the same way, I recognize it as a source of friction or heat that is just part of movement in life, mm-hmm. then it it's okay. It can normalize mm-hmm. it to an extent where there's nothing wrong with you or wrong with mm-hmm. me, the fact that we have a conflict between us. So, so based on that analogy of the machine, the mm-hmm. heat is, you know, you think about a motor, heat is not a helpful byproduct except in the winter so i think they funnels to your heat system is that correct sure i mean yeah however you I want think, to define it heat i'm just thinking of a car motor but in a typical like just out driving there's so many systems in place to minimize heat and friction and to to address it sure i think in his analogy the key thing is that it is a byproduct of a healthy functioning environment yes. machine or whatever so if you don't have that then you don't have the health yeah i think he, his argument wasn't necessarily that it's a good thing although i think there are good things that's mm-hmm. i'm not saying that's not true but i do think the most important takeaway is that if you don't have conflict you don't have relationship yes right exactly or at least not closeness Yes. Because that is a byproduct of a good functioning healthy relationship is that those differences come to the surface and bump up against each other. Yes. And you should desire a relationship that's close enough that that happens, not that you desire conflict. You know, Right. Not conflict for the sake of conflict. Right. But conflict as proof of a living, viable, well-oiled machine. Well-oiled being... Yeah. (laughs) We deal with conflict. Yes. Right? Exactly. That's the oil. That's the, okay, the differences are bumping up against each other. And, you know, let's let's pour some oil on this and let's talk about it, right? Yeah. Versus, uh, let's light a match and let's do this again. <laughs> Go 12 rounds, like, yes. right? Yes. Just made me think about that analogy with the motor. I think that's such a good, yeah, when that motor's running, that's, that's, that's when so much good stuff's going to happen, right? Exactly. Um, but it will have that byproduct of heat and friction. No doubt. And I think there's a part of healthy relationship as well that isn't necessarily focused on the friction but healthy maintenance in such a way that says okay yes this is a part of our lives Mm -hmm. but it's not the only part of our lives and we have these other systems in place Mm -hmm. you know where we can you know bring refreshment in the oil if you will that that helps us say okay yeah we enjoy our time together even though we experience conflict at times as a result of getting to know one another. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, the part of it. And it, and it, uh, 
another another dynamic I think that I kind of equated with this in the process was um, there's a principal Henry Cloud um, mentioned it was actually came from a client too that um, he talks about you know hard easy or easy hard and I think you know the the basis of that principle is you know we can if we start with the easy things or try to focus on all the easy things typically it gets harder as we go you know and yet if we start with the hard things which i think sometimes between individuals can be addressing conflict it gets easier as we go because the mm -hmm. difficult dynamics are addressed at the very beginning mm -hmm. who i am who you mm -hmm. are those differences mm -hmm. and then i think we can find an easiness that goes with that and i think you know that's a principle that we can you know in business mm -hmm. or you know, in other areas. And it just happened to kind of coincide with what I'm experiencing, you know, with just life in general, mm. how, you know, I think our tendency, you know, is to kind of want to do the easy stuff first. And I, and granted, there's something to the snowball effect, right? you know, that says that. But if I'm just focusing on the little things and ignoring the bigger things, you know, I yeah. think that we can do that in relationship as well. You're cruising for a bruising. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking the analogy, low hanging fruit. Yes. That's kind of the snowball thing. Like there is some value to that as long as the, the bigger thing is in view in mm. terms of, you know, in your, in your line of sight of things that you're going to accomplish, right? Like we are going, in other words, the avoidance thing is the, yes. is the problem here. Exactly. Um, but I do, I like, because you think about dating, right? Um, mm -hmm. When you go on your first date, you're not, all right, let's figure out the thing we can have conflict first, and then we'll yes. do the easy things, it's sip a milkshake together, right? Like, right. First, let's start with, what's your view on, you know, whatever, <laughs> disciplining children, or whatever, I don't know, whatever that polarizing thing might be, right? Yeah. We don't do that, because, of course, that's not... <laughs> yeah. But... One could argue that in the course of a dating relationship, you should start to do those hard things hmm. so that, you, you know, at some point you go, okay, this probably isn't the right partner for me, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. So you do have to hit those things. And if you don't, you might end up in a relationship where easy and then hard, right? Easy things first exactly. and then the hard things come after marriage. And um, Yeah, it's just, it's an interesting yeah. analogy. But and, and, I, and I think, you know, when we view our lives, you know, whether it's work or, you know, whether it's relationship or business, I think, you know, it's important to recognize that hard things have to be done. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we do hard things at times, it's, it's recognizable that there would be more conflict involved mm -hmm. because there is more friction created mm -hmm by moving bigger things, mm -hmm. you know? And it, so for me, that just kind of tied together in a way, you know, even as, um, even as we're thinking about, you know, the property and where we want to go and what we want to do, it's at times, you know, it's easy to feel overwhelmed, you know, especially more so for Chris, cause you know, it's like, she's just trying to plant a garden some days, you know, and hear the insects come yeah. or hear the rains come, you know, yeah. and there's this conflict you know, or this resistance, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it ends up wiping out the tomato plants, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, yeah, that's frustrating. 
And yet at the same time, it's like, okay, that's part of a learning. Mm -hmm. And then, so what do we need to do differently? And, you know, and it's not, a, and fortunately for her, she, it's not so much a matter of giving up. It's that process of being able to say, okay, this is how we need to do it differently. Mm -hmm. You know, and some of that may be some things have to be put off till we're actually out to the property full time yeah. where we can actually maintain things along the way yeah. versus expecting them to grow by themselves mm -hmm. without our protection or without our maintenance yeah. to a degree. Because I think, you know, the, I think, I think it's biblical, you know, that the, that we're living in a world that will resist our growth, mm -hmm. that we're living in an environment that is, that is counter to what we desire to do at times, mm -hmm. you know, take heart. I have overcome, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, mm -hmm. but take heart. I've overcome or, and I think, you know, we have that ability to overcome, mm -hmm. You know, and I, and I see conflict as part of that overcoming that we can do, especially within family systems. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, family systems are no different than a garden, right? Like, we, we mm. need maintenance. We need... <laughs> no different. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe a little different, but yes, there are many similarities. Let's, there's, I, I, a, there's a good metaphor there, I guess, yes. is what I'm trying to say. But, you know, we talked about this in the planning things episode, yes. just this idea that um, there's so many metaphors in growing things because yes. just like your garden, you know, your relationships need tending, they need gardening, they need, yes. they need the weeds pulled, they need shade from some of the sun sometimes, they need watering at key point, you know, it's like, yeah. if you want a good healthy garden, well, it requires attention and effort and yes. that's no different than the, the good relationships in your life. But the, um, Yeah. I think I think in a garden, obviously, there can be frustration to where the yeah. effort I put in didn't yield what I expected it to. Exactly. Right? Yes. And there can be that tendency, like you said, to say, you know, maybe gardening's not for me. Yeah. You know, because I, you know, I did the X, Y, and Z, and I still end up with no tomatoes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, maybe tomatoes aren't for me. Maybe yeah. I need to try squash, right? Whatever. Or what? we take that in a family system and say this relationship isn't for me. Yeah, that's what I was. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I was hinting keep, at that one. Okay. No, no, nice no, no, but, but if you want to continue with out. the squash, yeah, you, if you want to continue with the squash, that's okay. <laughs> the point is squash being a new relationship, right? Like, okay. Let's try this one. I was like, well, sometimes it just requires sticking it out and learning the patterns, learning the systems, and. Um, you know, obviously in a dating relationship, that's the time to go, you know, do I like squash or do I like tomatoes? Yeah. Whatever. But there's something to be said about, let me learn how to grow these tomatoes. Okay. Yeah. So you can't do this. You do have to do this. This is a non-negotiable, right? Right. Or, you know, maybe this, this year I got lucky and it's because I didn't realize how much rain mattered and it just rained a lot and I just thought I had a green thumb and yeah. You know what I mean? I do. And that could be like your, your honeymoon phase the first year. It's mm. like, it's just magical. Everything's great. And then it turns out she doesn't like how I do dishes or yeah. I don't make the bed right or whatever it is. And uh, the next year there's a few more bugs, a little less rain and it requires effort. It requires yeah. learning. It requires modifying, you know? Yeah. And I, and I like the analogy of the difference because I think when we ignore the... Um, the preferences, I guess I'll call it, of certain plants, mm -hmm. you know, some needing full sun, some needing shade, some needing, you know, if, if we just choose to ignore 
that that difference and that the difference that you need in your environment for a healthy, healthy growth and what I need. It's like, okay, I think that can be an aspect where we come together and we share the sun at times, but at the same time, we can have our individual differences where, okay, I need a little time away and I, this is my shade mm -hmm. and you can stay in the sun if you want to, but I know, I'm, I know myself well enough. If I just stay in the sun all the time, if you're full sun and I'm partial shade, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I enjoy the sun, but I also need shade too. But it will kill me. Yeah. <laughs> <Eventually>. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you, if, mm -hmm. if you're just in the shade all the time and you're full sun, you know, you're not going to thrive there. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you mm -hmm. will, you know, and if I may borrow the analogy, you know, you're going to fall into that depression, if you will. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, just try to live in all shade, right. when right. you're designed for full sun, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to, that's going to mm -hmm. harm you in some way. Mm -hmm. You're going to experience a result of that. And I think, you know, to ignore those yeah. dynamics is naive. Yes. It's interesting in both those sides, right? Full sun or prefers... Part sure. Of the, the result is the same. Hmm. Shriveling. Yes. Death. Lack you know, of growth. Falling back. Yeah, lack yeah. of growth. It's The results look the same. But mm. often they can come from different reasons. And yes. Yeah. So if, 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 yeah. So this, that's one thing, obviously, I'm sure we both learned in our marriages, right? Is if we're, we are learning one of right, the other. <laughs> yes. Cause always, right? Uh, is if we're always full sun, well, one of us is going to be very happy and growing, but there's a mm. chance the other one is starting to shrivel or whatever. And so yes. there's that balance that we have recognized. And I think, that's one thing I've had to learn is like, you know, this is, this is not just a cute difference. Yeah. This is uh, a life and death situation, you know, not to be melodramatic, but it's like that my partner needs mm. certain things that I don't need or needs a, a different amount. Right. Sure. And so for her, you know, in, more introverted, needing that alone time, mm -hmm. she needs that as much as I need my hangout mm. time. Right. Sure. Like, and we both need those things to be healthy, growing, yep. whatever. And there'll be times where we shrivel a little bit because we're not getting enough. But the point is, it is a need. It's not just a cute difference between us. It's like, oh, you can get over your introverted self and exactly. just learn how to be social or vice versa. Like, you can get over your need for, I should be enough for you, right? <laughs> or yeah. whatever. Um, no, they're both needs. Exactly. needs just like the sun. And I think... Uh, and I will say, you know, as we talk about the the similarities between family systems and plant life, mm -hmm. I will say that I think, you know, as we experience marriage or, you know, relationship over time, I think, you know, we can we can change or learn mm -hmm. the value of more sun or more shade. You know, because I think about our relationship early on, I was probably more of the full sun, you know, and as I've, you know, gotten to know Chris and through our marriage, I would say she may, you know, she was more partial shade. And I think we've kind of come, you know, more towards the middle. I don't have to be in the sun. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be in the sun all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be around people. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be extroverted mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to value you know, that partial state of pulling back mm -hmm. and saying, okay, yeah, 
this is just our time or this is just my time. Mm-hmm. And and Chris coming from where she was, she's better able to understand that need, you know, because that doesn't when I when I'm when I am up to capacity with my extroversion, it's okay to come back and step back and say, okay, I just need time mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And I think as I've gotten to know Chris, we've kind of brought that together. She comes, she can definitely be as extroverted. It's not that she, you know, desires it all the time though. Yeah. And I think yeah. now we're at a, we're yeah. at a point where we've come to appreciate mm-hmm. who we both are and I'm not as full sun or extroverted as I mm-hmm. was. And she's probably more, more extroverted. Mm-hmm. Not that she was ever introverted. I'd say, you know, completely, but in the an, on a continuum, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, to where we've both kind of moved a little more towards the center, mm-hmm. and it's easier for us to find agreement mm-hmm. with what we want to do mm-hmm. or how we want to spend our time. Mm-hmm. Symbiosis. Yeah. That idea of being able to live together in harmony, but not in a way that is compromising, but is complementary. You know? Yes. Yeah. Where. Because I, you know, I was thinking about even plants that have preference towards full sun. If you gave them what they want, that can kill them sometimes too, right? Like, mm. because I think there's a balance needed in all of creation, right? And so, mm. if there's only sun and never night or never water, mm. never shade, sure. never whatever, well, they're gonna die no matter what their preference is, right? Like they might really like the sun and they'll shoot mm. up, but they their roots are shallow and they fall over and they die, right? Yeah. I think about we grew some sunflowers last year, yeah. and man, they shot up and they looked like picture perfect, you know, outside our window. Yeah. Our, our window's probably, I don't know, eight ten feet up above the ground, and it was like eye to eye with us, you know. Wow. And the first little storm came along, a little bit of wind, and they just all kind of. <laughs> you know and so we tried sure. tying up or whatever but it kind of makes me think of that like they got what they wanted they got that sun uh-huh. but they probably could have had a few shady days to learn how to grow some roots you know yes. what i mean I, I, you know i think that's true for us as well like i think what i need yes is all this social engagement but really it's trying to fulfill a certain need that i truly have you know that isn't necessarily best served by that yeah. resource it, that's part of what can feed that need but it shouldn't be everything and i've talked about this concept of approval addiction or yep. some people call it people pleasing it's like you get your jollies from sure. pleasing people from seeing uh, a pleasing face on someone in yep. front of you that you're trying to appease or please or whatever or approval you're like mm, i made that person mm. proud of me and it fulfills a certain need that you have, but often that fulfillment is an unhealthy way that creates a need for more of that. Sure. Which, again, is unhealthy, but it'd be better if I learned those things through a different process and my roots were growing, right? Sure. And, and I, I, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think what you're describing is part of that, that conflict that we can face when if we're just trying to appease all of the people you know, in that extroversion, we're going from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship because the minute we can't please that other person, that's too much conflict for me to deal with. Yeah. And so I have to, I move on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the the ability of being able to pull back is to be able to say, no, it's not about knowing everyone. Maybe it's knowing 10 people well, you know, 
it, and and therefore and, and you know for some people it may be you know they would prefer three to five close you know intimate friends you know where other people might want you know 20 you know 30 more friends because then that way they can move and i'm not saying either one's wrong right, yeah. but if we're just focusing on more friends mm-hmm. we're missing out on part of the ability mm-hmm. to build healthy relationship mm-hmm. And I think there is something to be said for, you know, the ability to focus on building friendships from a, you know, intimacy standpoint. I really know who you are and you know who I am. Therefore, we're able to be authentic with one another. Mm. And I think, you know, even as couples, you know, when we're able to recognize the conflicts we have and address them as such, even to be able to address past hurts, not in a way that brings up the past, but in a way that says, you know what, when we went down that road, you know, when we drove by that place, I, w- I remember when we had that conflict there. And I was reminded of that today. And, you know, and that allows that opportunity for that individual to share a part of who they are in that intimacy that they were reminded of that moment. Not in a way that's saying that's your fault but in a way that says, oh, wow, thanks for sharing that. I, I didn't think about it that way. But I appreciate you being willing to let me know that that was a thought that crossed your mind. Mm-hmm. And is there something I can do to help? Do, you, do we need to find an alternate route some days? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is that, is that specific to this time of year? Or, you know, when those certain... Because I think, you know, I think there's something a lot to be said for that because you know our body never forgets. It's a it's a book, you know, it's a popular book. I think there's a lot to that, you know, in those processes of hurt or conflict when it comes back to that, oh, I'm not going there again. Mm. Because that hurt too much. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when we when we hold life like that, we tend to pull back from relationship and we miss out on that ability to have that reciprocation that says, oh, wow, I didn't know that I hurt you that way. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, even to the point of being able to say, yeah, I did know I hurt you that way. And then that relationship may need to change. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm, if I'm hanging around people who deliberately desire to hurt me, okay, then mm-hmm. maybe that's not a healthy relationship. Right. Yeah. But yet, if I'm willing to recognize this is how I hurt, and, and we, we understand healthy relationship in a way that says, oh, wow, okay, thanks for sharing. Didn't know I did it. Or, yeah, I can remember saying that, but that's not what I meant. Hmm. And, you know, just trying to walk that through in such a way that takes ownership or responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think... Another example, if I may, it, it, it creates healthy boundaries. You know, if I know where I start and where you stop, you know, then we can both take responsibility for our own, what's in your area to take responsibility for, what's in your yard. You follow me? Because sometimes what's in your yard might overgrow into mine. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily, the fact that I've allowed that to overgrow into my yard without addressing it with you, that's my, that can become, your issue can become my issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I'm willing to say, okay, you know, Justin, that, that big weeping willow, you know, 
you got some branches. I'm tired of cleaning up all the, 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 the leaves from that tree. You need to trim my side mm-hmm. because that's, that's overgrowing. And I think that's healthy relationship mm-hmm. because it's your, your problems aren't my problems and my problems aren't your problems mm-hmm. because otherwise we're enmeshed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when we have a healthy boundary, I know what I'm, what I own, what I have control air right. quotes over or, but ultimately what I'm responsible for. Yeah, because in that analogy, I'm responsible for m- my resentment of that tree and those leaves in my yard. Yes. Like, that's on me. I can't blame the other person for my resentment. Yes. But it is their tree, and I can say that is your tree. You need to trim it. And that's how I deal with my side, which is the exactly. resentment, is the frustration, is the desire for vengeance. I'm going <laughs> to grow my own tree. <laughs> yes. Versus just saying, hey. Yeah. Be addressing it in a form of healthy conflict even before it grows to resentment yeah you know not that resentment isn't a reality don't get me wrong that you know the struggle with me is i don't often know it's a conflict until i feel the resentment (laughs) so okay so that that might be a system that's broken in my brain but um yeah i tend to overlook a thing and Oh. An issue until it's starting development resentment, and then it becomes difficult to resolve because it's yeah. Resentful. But we can break down my issues at a different point. But I'd love to. <laughs> no, approach. but that's interesting. Yeah. That's a great analogy. You know, as far as you know, how people handle conflict differently. Mm-hmm. Because I think there is something to be yeah. said for you know when I start to think it, you know, it's like. Wow, that tree is starting to get a little over the line. Mm-hmm. And that might be a time to be able to say, hey, have you noticed? Because this is what I'm noticing. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Versus, versus, well, I'm, I don't want to deal with that today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today becomes two years. And then suddenly I spend more of my time mm-hmm. and I'm losing my grass. And I'm, you know, I'm raking up your leaves. And at that point, it's like, I'm ready to cut your tree down. Mm-hmm. I'll just come across the yard, mm-hmm. you know, and, and do that. And I think yeah. that that's a, you know, a good analogy for what resentment can yep. be. Yeah. Is that saying, yep. yeah, taking what is yours. And also, you're making that tree grow like that on purpose. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> yes. You did that on purpose. Right. You planted that tree yeah. just to kill my grass. Right. And you, you're trying to give me something to do. Yeah. As if I don't have enough right. to do already. <laughs> yeah. And that and that's what we can experience yeah. sometimes in relationship. Yeah. And so I, there's there's two perspectives I'd love to get your thoughts on. Um, oh. Okay, so I did someone, say you could ask me anything, didn't I? You did say that. <laughs> I recall hearing that. Um, from your perspective, so two polar opposites is mm. I'm someone who avoids conflict. I am what we call codependent, right, in the relationship mm. where I do my best to cover up for your mistakes and compensate for them, but I'm still being hurt by them over and mm. over and over. A, that's that's point A. How mm. do you encourage that person to uh, embrace conflict mm. in a way that's healthy and pushes the relationship forward? So that's A. Yep. B is I'm the other person. I'm con- I have no problem with conflict. I, I do conflict every day. I'm pro- I'm great mm. at conflict, right? Not not realizing I'm actually pushing over, bowling over everyone around me, mm. and I don't know how to do conflict correctly because what I think is good con- proper way to do mm. conflict is just shoving everything out of my way, 
Does that mm. make sense? And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll tell anyone what I think anytime, and I have no problem with that, not recognizing that every mm. relationship is either gone because they got pushed out or they're the codependents around you who are propping you up. And it's not a healthy relationship, but you feel perfectly healthy yeah. because your your tree's growing nice and strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the expense, right? Yeah. So I'd love to hear... Because I know you've had these conversations in counseling <laughs> with the marital counseling, whatever, where you've had to connect, you speak to each of those versions to yeah. say, here's what you need to do or, you know, how you see it, right? Yeah. Like, how do you see it, Mark? How do I, how do you encourage well, uh, A and B? There's two things. There's a couple, there's a bunch of things coming to my mind. I right bet. Now. I like yeah, I see it. the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start um, a new episode. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um... I like the aspect of truth and mercy. Okay. And Jimmy Evans talks about this. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a guy I know, you know, listen to marriage, a marriage today. Um, marriage on the rock. He's marriage on the rocks guy. Yeah. Um, truth. Let's see. Truth is a cheerleader without a team. All rah, rah, rah. No, no. Mercy is a cheerleader without a team, and truth is operation without anesthesia. You follow me? Mm -hmm. To the point we can be so truthful. You did this, you did that, you did that. That's how I see it. But yet, that may be the truth that I have, but that doesn't extend mercy to you. You follow me? That you didn't intend some of the things that happened. You follow me? Mm -hmm. And I, so I like, and I, and I think part of that, when we go back to the initial analogy of the codependent, is the, the ability to recognize what is true. Okay, am I, am, I, am I just choosing to extend mercy all the stinking time? You follow me? Because the truth is, you're just mean to me. You know, if I'm willing to address that, you're just mean. And you're and if and we're looking at it on a continuum, okay, and this is how I would work with someone, I would draw a continuum. And on one end, I would put aggressive. And on the other end, I'd put passive. And in the middle between two lines, I would put assertive. You follow me? Because our tendency is to live on one end of that spectrum or the other. You know, it's very, it, uh, the ability to assert is my ability to recognize that there is a boundary around my life, okay? So if someone is just continually being aggressive, I can basically go to that side, that boundary, and say, okay, this is where, this is where the line is. You're being aggressive, and I'm going to pull back. I'm not going to deal with that. Okay, when you want to talk to me in a manner that is respectful, then then we can have inter, we can have this mm -hmm. you know discussion. But if you're just going to come at me with aggression, I'm going to pull back. I'm going to draw a line here, and we're not having this discussion anymore. You follow me? I don't have to be mean. I don't have to. I don't have to meet aggression with aggression. I can be assertive in such a way that mm -hmm. says, no, I'm not, you're not treating me the same way anymore. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And if this and if this continues, I am leaving. And I'm not mm. saying that in a mm. you know pack my bags and out the door. You know, I, I think more of a um, dramatic style relationship. You know, you know where we where we just throw that out there. But basically, we're we're establishing a boundary, a yeah. line that says, okay, this is where I start. This is where you stop, and this is where I start. Mm. And I think that's helpful for codependency. Mm. But that individual has to learn how to basically assert yeah. because they've spent so much time on the passive end yeah. of the scenario yeah. for them to even assert, yeah. which is middle, which is healthy from my perspective. Okay. They have to be, from their yeah. perspective, they have to be mean. Yes. That's mean spirited. Yes. That's mean. That's yeah. something they've never really developed right. is the, the ability to recognize their own anger. And say, okay, yeah, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. That's too far. It's but, interesting because you know, in, in regards to codependency, I mean, that's that's a term I pulled, you know, through celebrate recovery. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about that, and it's often the other end of the stick of an addict, right? Is is the codependent? Um, it, you know, so. But one thing we've noticed, uh, and it's not just us. I mean, it's a common understanding mm-hmm. is that as someone works through the issue of codependency, of mm-hmm. learning how to move on that continuum towards assertiveness, they very often blow past the line. Sure. That's a very common beginning first stage is to go, you know what? I'm done. And yep. it's just wham, <laughs> I'm yeah. now mean. And this is what you get of me. And the sense of freedom that they feel from that, mm. like, you see it over and over that pattern of going like, wow, this is great. I did it. I yes. made it. And you're like, well, you're on your way. Yes. Because now, now, you know, that's not the end goal either. It's now I'm like him. Now I'm the bully. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think there's a freedom in a, <laughs> an amazing part of getting to that side of like going, oh, wow, I don't have to be that. Exactly. And that's important. Yep. But at the same time, I think that's part of the continuum of learning as a from as a codependent is to recognize you're probably going you don't know what assertive looks like if you did you'd yeah. be better at it right so there's a chance maybe you'll put an anemic effort at it and still be codependent and you're mm-hmm. like it doesn't work or you're going no i'm going to give it a real effort and you just blow past the line sure. and now you're mean but you now see the value in it so i would encourage like you yeah. got to push you got to do your best but recognize that maybe the first attempts at learning yep. how to be assertive will be mean exactly you know and you might feel like it's mean but you also might get a sense of like ooh, that feels good uh-huh. i mean i like being on this side of the equation right yeah i don't know you, you can and and at the same time i think you know we we have that tendency you know when we experience something new it's kind of like a drunk trying to ride a horse you know we do end up <laughs> shifting from one side to the other and it's very hard to shift to just the middle and ride straight ahead yeah you know not to you know not using an analogy of addiction but still it is that dynamic that we might at times and i think you know if we talk about passive aggressive relationship that's exactly what that is Mm. it's the drunk trying to ride the horse You follow me versus that ability to learn how to assert for myself and establish healthy boundaries that is able to address conflict Mm. in a way that's healthy and say, this is what I saw. Help me understand. This is what I experienced. 
Because at that point, we are able to ex- share our truth, what we experienced, what I saw, what I heard, in such a way that is extending mercy to you. Mm-hmm. Because there is a, a benefit of the doubt, if you will, that you weren't necessarily meaning to be menacing or diabolical. Right. You know, so often our tendency can be, well, you just meant to do that. You were, you were trying, I know what you want, you, what you were doing. No, you don't know. You may think, and that's okay. But at the same time, that mercy is the part that allows you to say, oh, thanks for sharing that. Um, that's not necessarily what I meant. I can understand, you know, what you heard. And I'm, re- I'm honestly sorry that you heard it that way. Mm-hmm. Because that's not what I intended. Mm-hmm. But that's not an excuse on mm-hmm. my part. I'm willing to acknowledge that that's what was conveyed as far as you heard it. Yeah, that's so valuable to be able to say that. Yeah. That sounds like a healthy individual. Yes. So let's get back to the unhealthy individual. <laughs> <laughs> did, I, did, did I divert from the question? No, no, no. Okay. I'm saying you, you went right to the ideal, which is amazing. Like that's That's what the listener should be saying. I want okay. to get there. But what's? let's go back to I'm not there. I'm the worst version of... So okay. we're, t- we're talking about codependence. I think yep. you could go on for years about that. But um, the other thing I would encourage is because you don't know what assertiveness looks like, get mm. people in your life who do sure. and let them hold you accountable. Yes. Like whether it's a counselor, you're in Mark's office and you say, well, do you think that was assertive or do you think that was just mean? You know, yeah. like, or if, uh, you know, CR, we call it accountability partners, sponsor, sure. whatever. Because to think that you can figure it out on your own, well, did you so far? No. All right. Well, yeah. let's get some help. Uh, all right. So we talked and about. And I think, I think to, as, as a step, you know, and I, I think about it from the terms of my office sometimes, you know, it is that point of, where do I think I am on that continuum? Oh, yeah. You follow me? Put that's, an X. Step one is denial, right? Right. So figuring out, yeah. That's yeah, I, I have to be able to recognize mm. where I am on this continuum. Am I so passive that I'm enmeshed in other people's mm. problems or my problems or, you know, that kind of thing? Or am I able to recognize what's your problem and what's my problem? Mm. You know, or are you just my problem? And that's on mm. the aggressive end. That's that kind yeah. of thing. So be able to identify that. How often when you ask that question, self-assessment questions, hmm. you know, I have a perception of what my answer would be to this, but how mm-hmm. often are we in denial when we answer? Like, here's the mm-hmm. continuum, you know, I have my mm-hmm. two hands held up, yep. left and right, right? Yep. And the right is the extreme of mean and, and you know, whatever. The left is the extreme of codependence and enmeshment, and your problems mm-hmm. are my problems. How often do we say, no, I'm actually way over here. I'm way over, like we admit mm-hmm. that or is it, or do we often bring ourselves very close to the middle in our assessment? I'm curious. I have found when we talk with people about their patterns and cycles and tendencies, it's, and then I draw the continuum. Mm-hmm. It's very easy for them to see, oh, wow, I'm all the way over by that arrow you just made under passive. You know, they'll put, they're willing to put their X there. So you give them the full context before asking for their assessment. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. We talk about it in a sense of patterns and cycles. Mm. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, he should know or she should know what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. It's like, hmm, how should, how would they know that? 
help me understand that better. Hmm. Well, you know, I did this. They should have known. Hmm. No, I don't think I don't think that's fair. Mm-hmm. You know, help me understand that. Why? How could they know if you just did this? Mm-hmm. You know, is that is that conveying that full sense of what you need, mm-hmm. or are they supposed to interpret that mm-hmm. based on that snippet, that text you sent, right. that five word text? Are they supposed to you know elicit the feelings that you felt in that from a text message? You know, that's kind of. Because then we can say, oh, you know what, I, there there was some stuff missing there. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of thought that wasn't in that, mm-hmm. that I felt, but it, I can understand how it wasn't conveyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's good. Hey, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like how I see it, please do all the things that podcasts tell you to do. Subscribe rate, review, follow us, uh, and or talk nicely about us on social media. If you want to reach out, the email is us at howiseeit.click. Yep, I said dot click, as in dot C-L-I-C-K. Please tell your friends about this show, and we'll see you on the next one.